It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a-shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove. Beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. There's nothing quite like Oxford, Mississippi in the spring. Ole Miss baseball is in full swing. Double-decker, spring football practices, the Grove Bowl. You ride around in your car looking at the beautiful people, the flowers. Why not experience that in a new car, truck? How about a Jeep? Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Bit on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. Today's guest on Talk of Champions, Tom Kleinlein. You haven't gotten to know him yet. So today on Talk of Champions, you get that opportunity. But first, Colin, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. That's a good interview. I, they announced he was going to be the uh, deputy athletic director, and then we kind of just forgot he existed. So uh, it's good to hear from him and how it's going on the job for him. That's what I'm here for. I am doing my job as a representative 
of the people. So Tom Kleinline coming up on the Modern Woodman phone line. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions and iTunes. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omispirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Ole Miss baseball keeps winning. Ole Miss basketball, it's almost over. And then spring football, it's coming up quick. What right now is your overall assessment of Ole Miss sports? I'm the one that's kind of forgotten basketball existed. I didn't watch a dribble of the last three games, I don't think. I, I did watch Breeden Senior Night, but I didn't watch against uh, Vanderbilt. I didn't watch against Mississippi State. I probably won't watch against Georgia if the baseball game's still going on. So, uh, for me, it's fine right now uh, because the basketball team is what it is. We kind of knew what they were. Credit to them for letting us know that uh, this team was probably not going to make any type of postseason noise early in the year. So if you've kind of accepted their fate already, things are going pretty well. Yeah, their season's going to be over probably no later than Thursday. They could probably beat Georgia on Wednesday. But if they do win, they get Florida. And that's going to be hard. And even if they get two games, no team has come out of Wednesday and won the tournament. Never even come close. So Ole Miss would have to completely buck precedent. If they did, there's an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. But at this point, does anybody really believe that's going to happen? (laughs) Now, I talked to Kermit Davis on the SEC teleconference on Monday. I was the only local beat reporter that asked him a question. I don't know if anybody else was on that teleconference with him. And I asked him about that specifically, about the surprises of the season, but also the SEC tournament in Georgia. And he said, hey, you never know. We might have our best handful of wins of the year ahead of us this week in the SEC tournament. And I appreciate that optimism, but this team just has given you no indication that it has that kind of run in them. No, absolutely not. And uh, Brian, for everything he's done this year, I mean, and this isn't a fault of his. I mean, he's worn down. Uh, they've asked him to carry this team for two months, and he's done it remarkably. Um, but you can tell that that he's worn out. And I don't know, man. I don't expect this season in any form or fashion to get past Thursday. And if you're a Ole Miss fan, I don't really know if you want to see them line up against Mississippi State on Friday, playing their third game in three days while State's playing their first. Yeah, not ideal. But Ole Miss basketball headed to Nashville for the SEC tournament. Then the offseason comes, and that's when the real intrigue really gets going. Their last gasp breath before the end of the season is this week in Nashville. So we'll see. But baseball keeps rolling. Absolutely, man. They, uh, you know, we worried about, you know, uh, are they striking out too much? Is, you know, some people talk about the bat average being too low, and now they're hitting like 290 and striking out, I think, less than 20% of their at bats. So, uh, the, the cure to everything is just bring Princeton to town. They, they solve everything. First of all, let me say real quick, if I sound raspy voiced, we just had sickness after sickness in my household. First, Emily got sick. <laughs> then Gracie got the flu, flu B. Now I'm feeling some symptoms, but I'm not even going to entertain the possibility that I might be getting this shit. I just can't do it. Yeah, it's like with your bank account when you're in college, you just don't check it and it's probably fine. Yeah, it's probably fine. <laughs> it's not fine when it gets rejected. And it won't be fine if I end up having to go to the hospital. Me and Emily are actually supposed to go on a 10-year anniversary trip to California next month. And right now I'm battling the idea of whether or not I should cancel my trip to California because of coronavirus. Because let's be honest, with my recent run of luck, I'm getting that. I'm bringing it home. And I'm giving it to every one of y'all. Coronavirus confirmed in New Albany. Yeah, New Albany, Mississippi. Ben Garrett who gave it to Colin Brister, who gave it to everybody over there, and then he went and shook hands with Mike Bianco and gave it to the Ole Miss baseball team. Everyone would hate me. <laughs> Ole Miss will be good, like two outs away from the College World Series, and everybody gets gets coronavirus. Yeah, It'll Ben, be you enjoy your trip to L.A.? Oh, you're <laughs> celebrating 10 years of marriage. That's great. You gave the Ole Miss baseball team off to its best start since 1964. Coronavirus. It's your fault. 
There's no coming back from that either. I'd be patient zero in Mississippi. Patient zero. That's me. Oh, yeah, somebody made a good point. Uh, the people in Mississippi don't really go anywhere, so it's hard for us to get the coronavirus. I'm going to California in a month, so Godspeed to Ben. <laughs> but Ole Miss baseball, 14-1. and one. Princeton, we said going into the weekend, they were terrible, and they lived up to that hype going into the weekend. They weren't a very good baseball team. And Ole Miss offensively <laughs> racked up the hits, pitching, continued to roll. But I tell you what I was most impressed with, and we kind of touched on this last week, but the change and shift and movement in Mike Bianco's lineup, you encouraged it. We both have agreed that this is the best course of action. Justin Bench in center field drew his first three career starts in center field this weekend. Yeah, I thought he played pretty well. Um, you know, it kind of feels like they're running out of spots for people because I feel like Bench, Chatney, um, Keenan, and Servideo are your, you know, pretty much everyday guys and Dunhurst. And then you've only got four spots left for Elko, um, Leatherwood, Baker. Graham and Van Cleve. So somebody's getting the short end of the stick against right-handed uh, pitchers. So I'm interested to kind of see how that plays out because there's only four spots for five guys. And I think they wanted to try to compete that out this weekend, but uh, you know, going into LSU who throws three right-handed pitchers, we'll see how that plays out. Because like I said, I mean, somebody's getting left out. It's just basic math. You only got nine spots you can hit in. That's a good problem to have. If you're Mike Bianco, that's the sure. problem you want. You got your regulars, the guys, you know, that are going to start every single day and Tim Elko, he's coming on was hitting 222 going into the weekend. Princeton shows up, and now he's hitting 317. Hit one of the longest home runs in Swayze field history. I know that the batter's eye used to sit at like 421 at the top, but it's moved back a little bit. So while it was reported, that home run off the top of the batter's eye was like 421. No, 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 no. No. That was 440. Yeah, I didn't get to watch on Saturday, but I looked at my phone and I have like four text messages like, yo, Elko just cleared the batter's eye. Yeah. So I guess some people thought he hit it over. I guess it hit the top of, I don't know, but apparently it's just an absolute tank. I've never seen a ball hit that far. I refuse to believe yeah. it was just 421. Will not accept it. No, yeah, it was, it was close to 450. But the lineup is working. It's putting a little pressure sure. on Kel Baker, who snapped out of his recent slump. I think he was like three for 32 taking away that Louisville game when he went four for four, three for 32 after Friday in every other plate appearance. It's not good, but he came around, got a multi-hit game. I think Tim Elko is inching closer and closer to being an everyday guy because Mike Bianco has always touted him like that. But you can say only so much publicly when your actions say something else. And what his actions have shown is that Tim Elko still hasn't gotten his trust yet because he's like every other Ole Miss fan. He's Mike Bianco. Not to say he's a fan, but you get what I'm saying. He's like Ole Miss fans to where he wants to see it for an extended period of time before he's willing to go all in with Tim Elko. I think he's in the lineup all three games against LSU this weekend. I'm interested to see who gets the uh, who gets the short end of the stick, and maybe it rotates around. I expect Elko in there every day. I expect Leatherwood in there every day. But Baker Graham and Van Cleve, two of those or one of those three has to sit, and I think you could just rotate them each game. Honestly, I, I think. You know, all three of them may get a game um, on the bench and, and the other two play. So, interested to see how that plays out. But I do think you're getting closer and closer to seeing your 10 to 11 that are going to play consistently. One can play first base. Another can DH. One's going to be out of it every single game. And that's fine. But I think the lineup you saw this weekend, the one through nine, not the DH, that's pretty much your lineup going forward. You're going to ride it if you're Mike Bianco until it bucks you. And it worked. And I know Princeton isn't a good baseball team. But It worked. And Ole Miss offensively hasn't scored like that since 2003, I think. The most runs in a three-game series. And we can all say Princeton sucks, and they did. They were terrible. But 47 runs in a three-game series, that's 10 off. 
But there's a bunch of stuff almost baseball-wise I want to talk about. we got other things to cover, too, some spring football and also Tom Klein line. The new number two to Keith Carter coming up on the Modern Woman phone line here shortly. But first, let me tell you about two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions, Impact by Ironwood and Sola. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolmus.com. Make a difference, make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the Southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings, and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. So check them out. The website is solaoxford.com or give them a call at 662-238-3500. Also remember to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, using the at solaoxfordms on all platforms. Sola in Oxford, on the Oxford Square. What they're doing offensively is not only historic, but no one could have seen it coming. And if you're saying today, oh man, I knew they had this kind of offensive potential, you're full of it. It's interesting dynamic, and I'll, and I'll get you and, and get your opinion on this. Let's just call it like it is. Kel Baker's defense is a problem at first base. Is it a situation where he's going to have to hit an inordinate number to, to deal with that defense? Because, Ben, the balls in the dirt right now are not getting picked at all, and I'm, I'm not sure you can live with that outside of someone just absolutely mashing at first base. Here's the problem. Ben Van Cleve can't play there. He's worse. And Kevin Graham, I've said it before, coming into the well. year, they had no interest in ever playing Kevin Graham at first base again. Tim Elko was their first baseman, a plus defender at first base. But now you need him in right field. Can you not play bench and center, uh, Graham in left and Leatherwood in right, and put Elko at first, though? And then alternate at DH with Kel Baker and Ben Van Cleve. Yeah, I think that's the question is, I don't think Baker's defense is good enough to, or his offense right now is good enough to warrant what you're having to deal with at first base. No matter what we say about anything else, Justin bench and center field, not only lengthens your lineup, but it steadies those defensive positions to where you're not playing just a regular game of musical chairs with everybody. I thought he did a pretty good job in center field, too. I thought, he, you know, is he an A-plus center fielder? No, but I, no. I think he's Will Golson out there who was very good in 2018. It doesn't matter if he's particularly good. College baseball is a game of small samples. So defensive value is far less important to winning than offensive value. And Justin Bench not only gets on base when he's not hitting, he's walking, but now he's showing a little pop. He got two extra base hits this weekend. Lengthens your lineup, but it also settles those musical chairs when you're moving everybody around all over the field. But Hayden Leatherwood, he's got to be in there. 
And Kevin Graham, you put him in left field in the preseason for a reason, or even in the fall for a reason. At the end of the day, all that stuff will be settled. Pitching-wise, they're dominating. And something that we haven't talked about enough, Gunnar Hogan, he's been awesome. Been the best pitcher on the staff. But Derek Diamond is ahead developmentally of where Gunnar Hogan was this time last year. A lot of that is mental makeup. I think the kids, you know, he's run into some tough situations, but he's been able to battle out of it. Giving up, I think, maybe the most home runs on the team. But he's been really, really good. I think his stuff is, I think he's got Friday night stuff. I think his junior year is probably the Friday night guy. I think he's one of the best number threes in the country. Um, he's going to go out and he's probably going to give you a quality start every time he touches the baseball, which on Sunday in this league is massive because you got a lot of games on Sunday that just get weird. So if you can get somebody that can go out there and steadily give you five innings, three earned runs, six innings, three or four earned runs, man, you're going to have a chance every Sunday. And then that's kind of what you're looking for in those Sunday games. Yeah, Sundays in college baseball are made, tailor-made for the weird. So if you can get <laughs> consistency, that's incredibly valuable. And Ole Miss has played three midweek games to 12 games on the weekend. And all 12 of those games, those three starters, Doug Nikhazy, Gunnar Hoagland, Derek Diamond, Every single one of them in every single game have gone at least five innings. There's no volatility. That's your rotation again next year, too. Like, it's not going to change for 27 more weekends. We said this going into the year. Yeah, they were going to be competitive. You liked them. But next year. I'll say one thing. If, if Tim continues to hit at this pace, and that's a big if, I'm not so sure he's back. I don't think he can keep this pace. Sure. No, that, that part's fair. I'm just saying if he does, look, the kid was the highest ranked player in that class and in, in the Servideo and the in the Keenan class. There are tools there, and I think we both agree he's a really good defensive first baseman. So if he's able to hit and hit for power, there's a good chance he's a, he's a I don't know, 10 to 12th round pick or so and probably gone, but there's not a ton of sample size on him. So the pitching's about to get real. It's, it's not going to be Princeton rolling in here on Friday night. Yeah, if he gets drafted in the teens, he's 100% gone. He's probably gone sure. if it's anywhere in the top 25 rounds. I haven't yeah. seen it against good starting pitching. And until you do against yeah. LSU this weekend and then on throughout the SEC slate, we're going to pop the brakes a little bit. But the fortunate <laughs> thing for Mike Bianco and this almost baseball team, they have options if he does falter. And no one wants to see Tim Elko falter. Let me tell you something about Tim Elko. Mm -hmm. Genuinely, one of the best dudes you'll ever talk to in sports. What do you expect them to do uh, midweek pitching-wise? I mean, two games is not a joke considering you got LSU coming in. So they're going to have to bullpen some of these innings, I would think. I don't know what you do. Kimbrell's going to start one, I figure. He earned another start with his work in the midweek sure. last week, but also he pitched this weekend. Might not mean nothing, but who's the other starter? Hear me out here. He had a good outing on Friday's first one all year. Is it Greer Holstead again? I wouldn't put it past Mike for it to be Greer. Give him a shot. Go be good, son. Like Ole Miss needs Greer Holston to be good, and if they can get him to be good, man, that, that bullpen's something else at that point. I don't know who the other candidates would be. I think Wes Burton, he's in the bullpen. Benji Gilbert? It's not Drew McDaniel. It's Jackson Kimberlin. I think it's Greer Holston, if I had to guess. Do we know anything about ULM? They're not bad. Um, you know, usually you're used to them being a pretty bad baseball team, and I think they're like 12 and three, something like that this year. So, um, no, I mean, Ole Miss is going to have to show up down there and play well if they want to get two wins. So, Ole Miss is obviously a better, more talented team, but you don't just walk in there. You're not just going to walk in there and beat them twice. I, I expect Ole Miss to have to go earn it on Tuesday and Wednesday if they want to roll into LSU 16 and one. What about LSU? They don't hit um, really at all. 
they're going to pitch the crap out of it, though. I mean, they're, they're deep on the mound. I mean, ERA at this point is a little bit whatever. But, look, they're going to pitch. They're going to pitch the crap out of it. They're right-handed dominant, which is a good thing for Ole Miss. I don't think they have a ton of lefties outside of Jaden Hill. But, man, they're not going to hit. So, if, if Ole Miss can do some work in that lineup, I think they've got a real chance to take two this weekend. I would, I would venture to say Ole Miss has probably a 65 to 70% chance to win two games this weekend. So, where are you as far as the record? I'll go 17 and 13. I, I mean, that that's kind of – I started at the year at 16 and 14. I'm going to stay 17 and 13, but I will say this. I think Ole Miss is the best team in the West, but I think the West can be a conglomeration of pretty good teams, which equals 15 to 17 wins. So I think Ole Miss is going to go 17 and 13 or so and maybe win the West with that record. Which teams are the class of the SEC after three weeks? I think, honest to God, it's Florida, and then it falls off a little bit. And then it's Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, Georgia. Maybe Georgia a little bit above Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. Florida's the class of the SEC. Then it's probably Georgia. Then Ole Miss, Vanderbilt. And then you're probably looking at an Arkansas, but they've struggled recently. Um, I still think they're really good. But, you know, those top four are certainly your best top four teams right now. Which team, Ole Miss, Georgia, doesn't matter, has the best potential as far as where they are now finishing much better? Vanderbilt, if if I'm being honest, because they haven't hit right now, but they're Vanderbilt and they have 37 scholarships and a bunch of hitters. They'll figure it out. They also have this cat named Kumar Rocker that's pretty good. So um, Vanderbilt's not been as good. I mean, they lost, I think, two of three this weekend out in uh, out in, in Los Angeles. They haven't played up to their potential, but if you tell me somebody's going to find it late, it's, it's, it's certainly Vanderbilt. Is Ole Miss on track to host a Super Regional? Um, I think honestly, you know, it's, it's not done a lot with 17 SEC wins, but, you know, I think Ole Miss is in position to be able to run up a 23 and three non-conference record, 17 wins with this SEC schedule and that non-conference schedule gets them a national seed. So I said they went 17 SEC games. I think the non-conference finishes 23 and three, that's 40 and 16, 17 and 13. Yeah. I think that's a national seed. If you lose one of two against Louisiana Monroe, what does that do as far as games you have to win in the SEC? Does uh, that change from 17 to 18? Does that matter? No, because it, it's not an RPI bomb. It's on the road. I think if you're going to win 17 SEC games, you don't want to lose more than three non-conference games. If you want to, if you want to be a national seed, which is uh, top eight, you know you get to host the Super Regional. Um, I think that's the number you want to probably look at in, in non-conference. Is Ole Miss needs to go 23 and three in non-conference games. Three-week Ole Miss MVP is who? I'm going to go Gunnar Hoagland um, just because in, in Anthony's video should probably uh, be a man. Gunnar Hoagland's been something else, right? I didn't even think he was particularly sharp on Saturday and was still really good, um, which is a good sign. So I said before this year that if, if Hoagland and Elko have good years, I think the team could be special. And Elko certainly has, but I think Gunnar's ex- even exceeded expectations. Most valuable newcomer. Ooh, Hayden Dunhurst. That one, that one's not hard. <laughs> Yeah, the the kid hitting 187. Uh, I don't even care. I don't care if he's hitting 087. He's been just phenomenal behind the plate and what he's been able to provide to the pitching uh, pitching staff. And you know, I mean, I think you know he probably had his worst weekend of of the year defensively this week, and he was still really good. So yeah, it's it's easily Dunhurst. Three week most improved player. Ooh, okay, that one's. I'm not gonna go Hoagland. Um, honestly. Servideo because just the power and, and, you know, I don't know if it's fair to say he's improved as a shortstop, but we've never seen how good he's been. 
Um, and I think we're able to see how dynamic he is as a shortstop. So I'm going to go from an improvement standpoint. It's, it's probably Servidia. Ole Miss makes it to Omaha if what happens the rest of the year? Ooh, that's a really good question. Let's do this. Tim Olko has over an 850 SEC OPS because if he has, if he is a good SEC player, I don't really think this lineup's going to struggle much. And, and if this lineup doesn't struggle much, the the pitching is going to be going to be uh, dominant. So if Tim Elko has over an 840, I'll say 840 SEC OPS, Ole Miss goes to the College World Series. I've dragged this out as long as I can. This is Talk <laughs> of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, no matter what you say, as long as you leave a five-star review. Coming up right now on the Modern Woman phone line is Tom Kleinlein. He's the Deputy Athletics Director, the number two to Keith Carter, recently hired by Ole Miss in January. Probably hadn't heard from him yet. Probably hadn't read anything from him either. I think this is his first interview here at Ole Miss. And it's happening here on Talk of Champions. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. On with me now, Tom Kleinline, Deputy Athletics Director for Ole Miss, hired in January of 2020 by Keith Carter as the new number two. TK, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Ben. I appreciate you giving me a call today. Hope everything's well. It's all good, man. And for you, it's kind of been a whirlwind. Like I said, in January, Keith approaches you, you know, interview, and you get the job. What's the last month and a half been like for you? Well, it's been really, really exciting, learning a lot of things about Ole Miss and about uh, Oxford and some of the great things that go on at this university and getting to know all of our coaches and our staff. It's been a been a tremendous, tremendous amount of learning, a lot of conversations and uh, a lot of meetings, but it's been it's been exciting and really looking forward to uh hitting the ground running here pretty soon. Seven years at Georgia Southern. What was appealing about this opportunity for you? 
Oh, the opportunity to be at an institution that competes in, in athletics in what I think is the premier conference in the country. Uh, when you go to a place that competes in a conference of, of this stature and then also at, at a place where it's tied to the community as this place is with all the great tradition that this place has, those, those are all appealing things. Uh, the opportunity to, to work with Keith uh, was really, really appealing to me. Uh, he's highly, highly respected in the uh, SEC community and highly, highly respected in the Oxford community. So all those things together made it, made this a very attractive opportunity and one that I would want to take a serious interest in. And I'm very, very fortunate that it worked out and I'm here. What overall was that interview process like for you? It was, uh, it was pretty interesting. I spent a lot of time with Keith talking about, you know, vision and, and what he wants to do here as a, as the leader of our department and, and, and figuring out how I can, how I can best supplement you know, his efforts to, to make that vision a reality and obviously working with football and spending the time that I've spent in football. I've been, I've been a college administrator for over 20 years and all those years have been tied to football in some, some aspect, whether it was overseeing academics or football operations or being the deputy athletic director who oversaw football or being the athletic director at Georgia Southern and football reported directly to it. So been tied to football for all those years. And so obviously coming here, uh, helping support Coach Kiffin and what what his staff is going to do and what their what their visions are for football here, along with what Keith's visions are for our department. Uh, we asked a lot of questions, a lot of questions about management style and, and different things that I that I could that I see and how I would handle certain situations. And it was very very comfortable, very relaxed, and, I, and it really just became a conversation about you know what we want this place to be. So, what is the Tom Klein line management style? I think when you know when I come in, it's, it's different. Obviously, when you're a deputy AD than when you are as an AD. This is the, the first thing is this is Keith's department, and and Keith sets the tone and the vision for where he wants it to go. And so my job is to implement those things throughout the department with all the areas that I touch. You know, I touch all the external areas. Basically, anything that makes money reports through me along with football. And so it's it's uh, a management style that sits down and listens to where where Keith wants to go, and then it's a a style that communicates that vision to the people who report directly to me, and then allows them to go do their job. So I'm a big believer in in hiring good people, setting a vision for them, telling them what we want to do, and then being kind of somebody that's here to guide them and, and lead them and and help them grow themselves but along the way help them accomplish the vision that we're trying to achieve for Keith and for everybody else at Ole Miss. You mentioned it a couple of times, but Keith's overall vision for the Ole Miss fan out there that might approach you and say, all right, TK, I want you to summarize for me what is Keith Carter's overall vision for Ole Miss athletics? What would you say? Well, I, you know, just in the short time being here with him, I can, I can promise you that it's going to be something that, you know, it's going to be student-athlete experience-driven. He, he cares very much about the student-athletes and the experience that they have here. Uh, he is very big on uh, the university being servant in, in its in its uh, role to with the community and servant to its fan bases and providing its coaches the resources they need to be successful. At the end of the day, I believe Keith wants to run a department that is basically driven around the student athlete experience and and is providing resources for coaches to be successful but at the same time is very connected and aware to the needs and, and the wants and desires of its community that supports it. Well, handling football, what's the relationship like with Kiffin so far? 
Uh, it's you know, it's it, every every head coach is different. Uh, coach Kiffin is a very uh, focused individual. He, he knows exactly what he wants to do. Um, he has a he has a daily agenda where he comes in and, and he doesn't spend much time uh, having small talk. He knows exactly what he wants to do and, and and how he wants to get there. So it's been been really good. I find that Coach Kiffin is very open and honest about what he wants and what he sees is right and wrong. And uh, he's going to be very communicative with me in those manners, and, and we're going to work together to accomplish those goals for him. What was your view of Ole Miss football when you were at Georgia Southern interviewing for this job, and what's your view of Ole Miss football now as in its potential, um, where it could be, where it is? Just in your short time here, what's the view? Well, you know, we came here when I was the athletic director at Georgia Southern. We came here a couple of years ago and played and just – you know, really, really fell in love with this place in terms of the fan atmosphere and the game day atmosphere and all the things that, that make this place unique. And so I think my my view of, of Ole Miss football is one of a opportunity for uh, a chance to get better and, and perform at a higher level, but one that is a football program that is very, very uh, connected to its fan base. And, and and does a great job of providing a great game day experience. And so what our role and what our goal is to move forward is to provide a product on the football field that matches that game day experience. And so moving forward, your my future vision is that we are a football program that is competitive in the SEC and has an opportunity to compete for championships. And, and I'm very confident that, that under Keith and, and Coach Kiffin's guidance, we're going to get there. As far as football resources – how do you think they compare right now? Where could Ole Miss see some improvement? Well, I think if you you know you look at everybody in this league, I mean, our budget is is no secret. They everybody knows where we are. We're not we're not at number one or number two, but we're also not at the bottom. So we are continually uh, trying to generate revenue and provide opportunities to take that revenue to to enhance not only our student athletes' lives but our coaches' lives. And so we've got to continue to work on those things and grow grow those revenues provide opportunities for our coaches to get successful. I think uh, Keith did a great job of providing a, a really good resource and sense of a, a staff pool and uh, an allotment of money that allowed Coach Kiffin to go hire a very, very, very uh, experienced and a very, very uh, energetic staff that I think will, uh, will help us turn around this football program. Day-to-day football activities for Ole Miss uh, athletics. What does that entail? What is a typical day for you? A typical day for me is a combination of uh, going through meetings over here, talking about all the marketing and fundraising and and basically all the external uh, arms of the athletic department and making sure all of our programming and our daily routines are in line with where we want to be. And then at the same time, always having football at the forefront of those things and figuring out, uh, you know, where we are in terms of scheduling, where we are in terms of resourcing, where we are in terms of marketing, having conversations with those different and, you know, as of the last three or four weeks, my, my life's been consumed with all those marketing elements and then trying to figure out how we're going to hire staff and put the staff together. And we're, we're about done with that. I think we have one last position left to hire and then that staff will be complete. So then we'll move into, okay, let's start looking at scheduling for the future and what Coach Kiffin wants to do with future games and those kind of things. And then at the same time, we're always talking about uh, the external divisions of our department. So I kind of spend a lot of time bouncing from 
departmental big 50,000-foot view to microscopic view of football and, hey, we need to hire this person. How do we best get that done? You brought up scheduling, and it's a really interesting discussion. Does Lane Kiffin take the lead on that? Do you take the lead on that? Or is it a collaborative effort from the very start of it all? Yeah, it's been very collaborative. Uh, I think keep myself and Coach Kiffin sit down, and we kind of decide what the methodology is moving forward. And I think you can start to see some of that already laid out with uh, trying to get uh, Power 5 games, Group of 5 games in here. Uh, I do think the, the concept of the neutral site game is going to start to go away here in the very future, near future. So, you know, we have to look at, you know, how we want to manage that, manage that, manage that moving forward. Do we want to have seven home games? Do we want to have six home games? How do we, how do we manage that, manage that schedule in a way that gives us an opportunity to compete, but also gives us an opportunity to get on the national stage and sell our program. And, and and beat somebody on a national stage that gets you into the national talk on, on the ESPNs and on the podcasts and all the things so that when we play in our in our, the highest competitive league that we play in, that at the end of the year, we have the best record to put us in the best situation for postseason. Yeah, that was my question next. It's been a pretty regular occurrence the last handful of years for Ole Miss to schedule its first game at least really strong, usually a neutral site game. Do you have a particular philosophy as far as neutral site national games compared to you want as many wins as possible on the schedule? Yeah, for me, it's a balance, you know, being in this role, it's a balance of, you know, being able to provide a great schedule for our fans so that we can drive revenue through football and giving Coach Kiffin the opportunity to be as competitive as he can and highlight his program. So that's a that's a, there's a lot of things in that, in that, in that cake that you got to bake in there. And so that's why it requires a lot of conversations, a lot of, you know, looking at scheduling and, and getting out in front of it, almost, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ahead of schedule to try to predict and plan those things. But at the end of the day, if I had a, uh, a perfect formula, I'd say we have a schedule that allows coach Kiffin to be as competitive as he can be, gives our fans the best value for their ticket and puts us in the best situation on the national stage so that at the end of the year, people are talking about Ole Miss. You brought up your staff. What all spots did you have to fill, and what was your first hire that you wanted to make to ensure that you had everybody you wanted around you? Well, in terms of staff, I walked into a staff here on an athletic department side that was very, very successful. Uh, Jason Liz, Kyle Campbell, uh, and, and the production crew down there, all of my external people, Palestines moved into the CEO of the uh, foundation. All those people have been functioning very highly here when I got here. So for me, it was kind of just sitting in the chair and listening to them and them really educating me on, on how, how things are going. Now there will be, there's always turnover in college athletics. And so there's probably going to be some movement on staff. And when that happens, we will look to replace that, that person uh, but that person that we're going to bring in is going to have to be pretty, pretty good because this, this place has done a really, really good job of, of marketing and game game atmosphere and, and all the things that, that I oversee. Those areas are functioning very well. Okay, so do I come to you, TK, if I've got suggestions about Tony the Landshark and how he needs to be redesigned? Everybody, all suggestions. We're, we're, we're a very collaborative athletic department. We want to listen to everybody. That doesn't necessarily mean we're going to make all the changes, but we are willing to listen. Oh, that's good. You know how I know you're an athletics administrator? That answer right there. Sounded very How's political. It's, it's a good job. It was a good job. All right, you're a former <laughs> college football player at Wake Forest. 
How does that benefit you as far as relating to coaches and players and knowing what they need? I think the most important thing we do in athletics is a student athlete experience. And, I, and as being a student athlete and going through that environment, I understand what it is to wake up every morning, have to practice, have to go to class, have to go to the training room. Uh, I've worked in football uh, prior to getting into administration. So I think it helps me communicate, you know, what a particular coach may be feeling at a time. Uh, it allows me to have conversations with student athletes and come from a perspective of understanding what they go through. Uh, at the end of the day, I think one of the biggest mistakes athletic departments make sometimes is they forget who we're here for. And we are here for student athletes. We are here to, to do, do things for them so that they can educate themselves and change, in most cases, or some cases, change the life cycles of their families because of the power of college education. So I think somebody who's played the sport and lived that life connects with those people a lot better, uh, connects with the administrators from a perspective of here's what's going through the student-athlete's line, here's why this is a challenge for them, and it allows us to really build an athletic department from the student athlete outward. And, and this place has probably got a pretty unique situation in the fact that the AD has been an athletic, uh, not only, uh, excuse me, the AD has been a collegiate basketball player. And now the number two guy has been a collegiate football player. And so there's a, there's a very strong emphasis on, on student athletes here. You mentioned how Keith is well-respected in the AD community. He's rather new to this, but, um, he was the number two to Ross Bjork for so long. People know Keith Carter, but as an athletics director, what has been your impressions of him so far, not just now working under him, but throughout that interview process? Well, the thing that Keith has already shown me is that he has a very, very uh, steady demeanor. Uh, he listens to when people offer advice. Um, as somebody who is as highly acclaimed as he was here and as much as I've heard all these good things about him, he's a guy that so far I've seen very little ego with, which is actually amazing because, uh, like I said, when you come to a place, when I first walked on this place, everybody talked about Keith Carter and, and during his great time here as a student athlete, but he, he has very little ego and he listens to people and he wants to do right by people all the time. So, those are all qualities that at the end of the day are going to lead uh, any entity, any organization to be successful when their leader has those kind of, those kind of things. You were the second ever hire for Keith as permanent AD after only Kiffin. Um, why do you think you stood out above all other candidates as in every job interview is a one man sales job. What was your pitch to Keith? Why you were the right guy? Well, I think being able to pitch to him as, somebody who sat in a chair for, for almost almost eight years and, and seen a lot with what we did at Georgia Southern, moving from SCS to FBS, changing conferences, the successes we had in football, the successes we had in fundraising, all the all the revenue generation that took place over seven years. I, I think it was an opportunity for me to sit tell him, you know, I can sit in this chair at number two and I can speak from perspective of going through a lot of those challenges, you know, what, what it takes to build and grow a, a program and build and grow a program in a way that still stays connected to its fan base and to its community because Georgia Southern and Statesboro are very similar to Ole Miss and Oxford in, in that sense. So that was that's what I felt like I stole myself on uh, and that I, I felt like I was a, a good 
uh, opposite to him. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a type triple A high energy go all the time guy. And, and I think Keith brings a very steady, uh, mindset and an approach to what he does. So I think we work well together. When you're forecasting the 10 year plan, when you look at Ole Miss football, um, last time I talked to Keith mentioned potentially something with Vaughn Hemingway stadium, didn't really go into detail, but for you, what is your overall thoughts as far as what the 10 year plan could include? And if that is something to Vaughn Hemingway stadium or not? Yes. Um, so, you know, when you, when you, when I got here, you look around and look at everything that's been done with the facilities over the past several years. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of effort been put into facilities. Fortunately, with facilities, like when you start with one facility and you work your way around the entire campus, by the time you get done to the other side of campus, it's time to start back where you started again. And that's, we're back in, back and ready in that time to start again in football and softball and some of our other facilities here on campus. So we, from a football perspective, we have got to do some things to enhance the Manning Center and and kind of update it so that the Manning Center does its job in the sense and recruits young people, right? Facilities today have to recruit young people by telling your story, telling the history, uh, becoming interactive and, and allowing people to really feel Ole Miss as they walk through a building. And so we've got to kind of start that process over in the, in the football facility. And then at some point we've got to look because it's just a natural thing that happens in the SEC and around the country. The size of our staff has grown. And so uh, we are we are at capacity in that football building right now. We're at capacity in that weight room right now. So those are things that, you know, three to three to five years from now, we've got to look to figure out how to expand. And then it's always about, game day experience and, and what can we do and I, I think you know in the next five years is probably Keith's thoughts are to, to, to do some things in the stadium to change the west side of the stadium and expand some seating and, and, and kind of do a big project there. We got to kind of refresh and revitalize football and get that going. Because the biggest thing is you're constantly evolving and never falling behind right? Yep yeah, it's uh you know, it's a it's a saying I've always I've always used in this, and, and a lot of people use it in different ways. You know, football coaches talk about recruiting. You're always getting ahead. You either getting ahead or falling behind. You never staying the same. I agree with the same thing with an athletic department. We're either moving ahead or we're falling behind. We're never staying the same. And so that's how this business is. That's why we need to we need to keep resourcing our coaches and providing a great experience for our student athletes because that energy drives. The investment that drives us and gives us the ability to continually grow and change and evolve as an athletic department. So you're going to be on the bus for those Rebel Road trips, Tom? Oh yeah, Kyle. Kyle's already got me. He's already <laughs> got me penciled in. I'm fired up. Fired up. Spent some time on the old bus and and enjoy the state of Mississippi and the various other places we're going to go. I, I think it's. I'm, I'm really excited to do it. I won't necessarily have to walk out in front of everybody and give the speeches, but I'll get to see it all. So that'll be kind of cool. And, and, uh, and I look forward to meeting everybody. He's Tom Klein-Line, Deputy Athletics Director for Ole Miss, overseeing external affairs, day-to-day football activities. My friend, I appreciate you doing this. Thanks so much. Welcome to Oxford, and uh, we'll catch up. No problem. Look forward to seeing you again. That was Ole Miss Deputy Athletics Director Tom Kleinline on the Modern Women phone line. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. Colin Brister coming back in just a second. But first, let me tell you about the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood in Cheney's Pharmacy. Two more proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Oxford, Mississippi is one of the most beautiful towns in the entire country. 
and there's no place quite like Oxford in the spring. Maybe you've thought about moving to Oxford, but haven't taken the plunge yet. If you're in the market, you need only look in one place, the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, and an innovative new development from John Welty Realty. Located just up North Lamar, blocks from the Oxford Square, the Lamar offers 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses. Only a few steps from your front door, a grocery store, brewery, shops, and other amenities. Build out on these modern open concept homes is happening, so get in now. Call them today at 662-816-2782. You can also reach out via email, hello at thelamarms.com. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. When spring arrives, you know what comes with it. Allergies, stuffy nose, cough, sore throat. So there's no better time to assess whether or not you're getting everything you need from your pharmacy. And the only place to go is Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's is a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years, and it provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. You can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Back with me now is Colin Brister. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and a food of 247 Sports. For you, the number one position you're going to be watching this spring is what? Uh, it's quarterback, which I don't know how much we're going to be able to gauge. I'm interested to see how Plumlee, you know, gets gets involved over uh, at the IPF, but I mean, it's quarterback, man. That's that's when you don't know who your starting quarterback is. It's always quarterback, right? Um, I'm interested to see a little bit what they do among the defensive line and how they're going to line up, what they're going to run, that type of thing. But no, nah, it's quarterback. I mean, uh, is Matt Corral the starting quarterback? I, I would venture to say he probably is. Um, what are they doing with Grant Tisdale? What's the plan for John Rice Plumley? I, I, mean, I think we're all kind of kind of looking at that this spring. Do I have to be the guy that says, and, and I don't mean this rude, I really don't. Great kid. Great athlete, no matter the sport. John Rice, go play football this spring. Not going to happen in baseball, is it? Not this, not year. this year. He's not going to be impacting them this year. We'll say this, too. Um, and, and even his role is, I think they would want him as a pinch runner or maybe a late defensive replacement. If Bench is going to be your everyday center fielder, then Salmons and Ely are going to be your pinch runners and late defensive replacements. Like I don't even think there's a role for him in that regard. So if you want to be a quarterback, and he's been insistent that he's a quarterback, mm-hmm. go play football for the spring. And it's only a couple of weeks. Come back, and you'll still be playing the same role, I promise. You're not going to be an everyday guy. Go do football. And I've been on the record saying, he's the guy you should be paying most attention to. He's the guy you should be rallying behind right now because he produced. And you can't say, oh, Matt Corral got screwed by Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez, which he did, and not acknowledge that they also kind of screwed, not kind of, they screwed John Rice, too. Matt Corral's going to get a jump on you. And Matt Corral, I got a feeling, if he takes hold of that starting job, he ain't letting it go this time. He doesn't say that once. Look, I don't want to tell a kid what he should do, what he shouldn't do. But, you know, I think if you're John Rice Plumley, you do have to gauge what your role is with this baseball team. It's a little bit different for Ely just because, look, if Ely is to figure this out at the plate, he would be immediately back on the field because he's so good in center field. I don't think there's much – 
optimism right now regarding Plumlee and figuring it out at the plate. Um, so if, if you're him, you, you got to kind of figure out what your role is in baseball and see if it's worth staying over there or, or getting a leg up uh, with Corral at this quarterback position. So I'm kind of with you. It's probably probably behoove him to, to maybe get over there a little bit more towards football for the next three weeks or so. It's a cost-benefit analysis. I would not tell any kid what to do. Do what you want to do. It's your life. Say the same thing to my kids. Gracie one day wants to be a veterinarian. The next day she says, Daddy, I want to be president of the United States. Say, good, that's what girls do. They run for president. Go for it. Next day she says, no, I don't want to be president anymore. I want to be a teacher. I say, well, I ain't paying for that because you're going to collect crippling student loan debt, so figure something else out. Thanks, Ben. Do what you want to do. Sorry. I knew you'd get on that one. Do what you want to do, but it's a cost-benefit analysis. In baseball, what is your role going to be as a freshman? compared to what your role is going to be as a sophomore in football. You said this going into the year. You said it. Mike Bianco said it. Lane Kiffin said it. Y'all are going to let the season get started, then assess what the roles are to figure out how you were going to lay out or what the plan was going to be once spring football started. Well, you're almost there. Are you going to announce the plan? Because in my mind, if I could be so bold as to interject, my mind, the plan is pretty simple. Go practice with that football team because your role as a sophomore football player is going to be far bigger than your what you can offer as a freshman baseball player. Now, as a sophomore baseball player, who knows? They're going to lose a lot, potentially. A number of guys, if things fall right, could go, and you could have a starting spot. But right now, it ain't there. You said when you got to this point, you're going to have to decide. You're going to have to figure out what the plan was, and everybody's going to come together and agree to that plan. It's about that time. Yeah. And, you know, we, we said it earlier with Ely, it's a different situation. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think Ely needs spring practice like John Rice Plumlee needs it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I no, no, he doesn't. And Jerry on Ely's contributing more to baseball than John Rice is, even when he's only coming off the bench. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, when people say people, the, the, the roles shouldn't be the same for both guys because the baseball roles aren't the same for both guys. So, no, you can't, and you uh, can't fit those kind of guys in the same box. We've been trying to do that with Jerry on and John Rice, just because of football players and also baseball players. But they're different caliber of baseball players, especially considering that Jerry yes. on Ely was one of the most highly ranked. No, he was the most highly ranked player coming in from this class, this 2019 class. Yeah. So you knew that Jerry on, regardless of what his role was, be it as a starter or doing exactly what he's doing now, and that's providing a spark off the bench, be it pinch running or defensive replacement, was two for two with two doubles on Saturday. He's bringing you value in some meaningful way. John Rice, he's not really doing that outside of pinch running. So you said you were going to assess your role. Now it's time to assess it. But you're right. The quarterback position, that's the battle to watch. Offensive line, wide receiver. There's just so much about this team. But I will say it's going to be fascinating because every single practice is going to be open to the media. And every Saturday practice after the first Saturday practice is going to be open to fans to see how Lane Kiffin interacts not only with this team, but with all of Ole Miss Rebel Nation. Andy Kennedy didn't like to do that. Hugh Freeze ate that shit up. Are you going to be one of those guys? Or are you going to be kind of standoffish? And that's okay either way, either way. But the Lane Kiffin dynamic is the most fascinating storyline for me. Not quarterback, not wide receiver. Look, if we went by every single spring storyline, Devin Thomas would have been a Heisman Trophy candidate running back. <laughs> spring results and buying spring hype and spring storylines, it's all bull, man. What does it really matter? The install doesn't stop in the spring. If you don't get the install in over the spring, it doesn't mean – you're behind. The install really happens behind closed doors in the Manning Center with kids on their own, Matt Corral and a couple of his wide receivers going through all that stuff. And then in the fall, you hit the ground running. So this spring, it's, it's much to do about nothing, but Ole Miss fans are excited, and I get that. And if you're John Rice Plumley, if you want to be on the right side of that narrative, that conversation, 
you need to consider your position as a baseball player. That's all I'm saying. You have to if you're Plumlee because, I mean, I'll just be real. I, I think Matt Corral is probably ahead right now in the coaches' evaluations. You know, I don't know that, but I just kind of feel like that the Corral maybe fits more of what Lane Kiffin has done prototypically. Um, so if you're Plumlee, you need to get over there as much as possible because if you're not, it's going to be really hard when August rolls around to uh, beat out a guy that had the whole spring, especially if he plays well in the spring. So um, I know what he did last year, and he had some some success against uh, – you know, the teams he played against, but yeah, man, I don't think you can, you can uh, take spring lightly. If you're that kid right now, I was going to ask is Momo going through spring. I doubt it. Okay. I don't, I, I, I don't really know, but I doubt it. Also a little note here. Ole Miss is still quote in it with Zach Evans. Don't get your hopes up. This kid's insane, but Ole Miss is still in it with Zach Evans. I just, I heard that stuff. I, I don't want to talk about it no more. I was hesitant to even bring it up, but that's what I was told. They're still in it with him. Kid needs to get in school. He's <laughs> time, man. Is he still in like high school or is he just chilling? God, I don't even know. I'm so <laughs> glad that I don't cover recruiting on a day-to-day basis anymore. I just get these small snippets. I just happen to be close to somebody that was surrounding Demond Clowney. It's the only reason I knew all about that kid. Outside of that, I don't really pay attention to this stuff anymore. But the non-quarterback player or players I'm most paying attention to, those tight ends and those backup defensive linemen. I think you can figure out pretty much everything else. Jalen Jones moving to safety is something that – I would keep my own. I think he's, he's probably going to be tried at cornerback to start because you remember what he used to be. But I could see him very easily following the same path as a Ken Webster. And Ken got into the league doing that. Yeah, I mean, he's got the kind of body type that Ken had. And Ken was really good before, obviously, towards uh knee up against Florida State that first – or uh, his junior year, I think it was. So, yeah, no, that wouldn't shock me at all. You know, Jalen uh, obviously dealt with the ACL in 2018 and didn't have probably a great year in 2019 according to his standards. So, yeah, moving him to safety doesn't wouldn't shock me at all. I feel like Ole Miss has some depth there at quarterback, too, to, to ease that move. So, I, I would, you know, it, let's see how he does at cornerback first, like you said, but I, I do think there's an opportunity for him probably to, to play a lot of safety for next year. If a shocking storyline does come out of spring football practices, what will it be? It, I guess it would be that uh, you, you have a clear-cut quarterback winner, right? And, 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 and well, truly shocking would be like John Rice Plumley gets moved to another position. Oh, okay, yeah. That, that Which ain't going to happen, but that would be shocking. Yeah, and you know, it's a thing too, like even if he takes like – limited snaps at another position and still plays a lot of quarterback it would still be like it would break the message boards for Ole Miss that's the story I'm looking for give me one of those if you are Lane Kiffin let's just pretend Ben Garrett for a second is Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral is clearly your best quarterback what do you then do with John Rice Plumley? oh I'm making Percy Harvin tomorrow okay I believe okay. in him as a quarterback <laughs> I've said that I was the one that got crucified halfway through the year last year maybe it was the start of the year because Matt Corral hadn't even got hurt yet. And John Rice replaced him when he got hurt. And I got crucified because I said, don't be shocked if Matt Corral doesn't finish the season as Ole Miss' starting quarterback. And got blitzed on Twitter. And where are you getting that from, you idiot? No one's harder on himself than me. But when I say stuff like that, it ain't just coming out of my ass. It's like the whole thing a couple weeks back, maybe even a month or two back, about Jarkel Joyner. Had somebody tell me, yeah. in practices, Jarkel's been the best player on the floor. And I said that. He got crucified by some. And then Kermit Davis comes out and says it in public last week. And all of a sudden, it's fine now to say it. So John Rice is, is a guy I think that everybody nationally is more on board with than Ole Miss fans. You love what you don't know more than what you got. And you don't really know because you didn't see an extended run with Matt Corral what you got. John Rice, you think you know what you got, but you didn't get to see him 
really cut it loose as a thrower. I don't think he's got great arm talent. I don't. But Rich Rodriguez and Matt Luke didn't even trust him to do anything. Nothing. And when they would run sure. some pass Skelly for him, it was basic routes and only a couple routes on a given play, giving that kid absolutely no margin for error. And the coverages were just blanketing two guys going out for a pass. You're, you're setting that kid up for failure. So I don't think we know what John Rice Plumley is as a thrower. But if he did get moved off a of quarterback, he is Percy Harvin. Jerry Ely is Alvin Kamara. But he's a baseball player before you think else. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, I can, I can totally see that. Um, you know, so I just wonder what the what you would do with Plumlee if, if Ben Garrett was the offensive coordinator because I, I think he's too valuable if if you say, okay, Matt Corral's my starting quarterback. You're going to use him. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think you can say John Rice Plumlee is my backup quarterback. I don't think he can be your no. backup quarterback because I think you have to figure out a way to get him the football. And if you do that, I don't think you can train or prepare him to be your backup quarterback. All right, you know here's, I mean? here's the whole deal. Take all the position labels away from every single player in a list. And I just say, mm-hmm. pick out the names of the five best athletes on your team. Is John Rice Plumley in there? Yes. All right. He's probably third. It doesn't matter. I tell you to pick your top five. Yes. Yeah. You're not going to sit one of your five best athletes on the bench. If he's not your <laughs> starting quarterback, by God, you're going to play him somewhere. How you let him return punts and kicks? Who knows? That'd be fun. I think the kid could be good at it. It's been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, it doesn't matter what you say, as long as you leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Right for the Ole Miss Spirit. OleMissSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. My thanks to Tom Kleinlein. First interview here on Talk of Champions. And you were there to hear it. Good dude. Appreciate him coming on. Don't know who's coming up on Thursday but I'll work on getting a good guest. Maybe I'll get Bunky back. You know what I want to do, Colin? Honestly, I want to have more often a mailbag. I like doing mailbags. I do too. If you would like us to do more mailbags, let me know. At Spirit Ben. At Colin Brister. Honestly. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. 
Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.